BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Edition with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Mara, it is hard to believe, but November sweep stories are upon us, and we have all the scoop about what's coming up on every show in our new issue. So on Bold and Beautiful, we're going to see Bill work to get Brooke away from Ridge. Pam will turn to Donna to thwart Quinn. And of course, there will be that traditional Thanksgiving episode where the whole cast gathers. And I actually always love that episode. So I'm kind of happy about that. Um, on days, the stage is set for the secret about Mimi's baby to come out. Sammy will learn if that mystery patient is truly EJ. Lindsay Godfrey will make her debut as Sarah. And we will see Gilles Marini back as Ted, and he will cross paths with Hope. Well, over on General Hospital with uh, Laura challenging Ned in the imminent mayoral election, Ryan is going to turn his attention to Ava. And uh, Jason and Sam will get closer while Drew, Kim, and Diane are pitted against Alexis and Oscar in the uh, emancipation case that's heading to court. Over on YNR, the identity of the mystery person blackmailing Nikki, Victoria, Sharon, and Phyllis will be revealed. Someone outside of the Abbott family sets their sight on the CEO job at Jabot, and Phyllis is going to rebound from her Billy-related uh, heartbreak with Nick. Ooh. Um, well, you know, it's funny that we're talking about the big story coming up when really there is actually so much great stuff playing out right now. Um, you know— this particular week, I am really loving the YNR Abbott flashback story oh, yeah. that's been airing. Um, you know, we had a preview in the last issue with the actors who are playing the young Dina and John. So we knew that there would be like cool, you know, 70s wardrobe. But to see what the set designers and lighting directors have done with the actual Abbott Mansion set to make it look like it's back in the 70s uh, has been incredible. Like, I, I just... Watching yesterday, I was so mesmerized. And also just the scenes with Eileen Davidson, who we are in the countdown to her last episodes as Ashley, um, interacting with her siblings and just all that emotion has been must-see. Um, and, you know, Days really pulled out all the stops also with the story in the warehouse. Um, you know, I thought it was cool how they had all the initials on the door of the presumed dead people mm -hmm. in Salem, like Jack and Vivian and EJ. And so then you had to have Nicole kind of going door to door. Um, and then, of course, she is now presumed dead, which is a very interesting twist. But it's the stories have really ramped up in October, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, it's it's a little quieter, perhaps. But I think that just the sheer fact of having Laura back on the Port Charles canvas felt like such an event on GH. And 
it's been such a pleasure to just watch her be reintegrated into the canvas. And, um, you know, as we do look ahead towards November, it's, I think it's so fun that the Ned and Laura, the idea of, you know, Ned and Laura campaigning against one another, which was truncated mm-hmm. earlier this year, that that's back in the mix. And I'm just so loving all things Ryan and Kevin. And I think we will see though in sweeps that, you know, they are going to ramp it up and we will be reminded that Ryan is really a killer, not just someone who fantasizes about uh, shiving his wife, as we saw the other day on air. (laughs) And, you know, that's one of the things that I really love about this whole story. It's that it's focusing on a character who really hadn't been mentioned in decades. But I like the way that they introduced it in having, you know, Lulu working and revisiting the crime aspect of it for the paper Mm -hmm. um, because it was the anniversary. And, you know, it's like so inspired because it's modernizing the story. Everyone talks about true crime. I mean, it makes sense that this would be a case that she would look back on. Like, so it didn't feel like a clunky incorporation. It looks like they really looked into something that would be viable and really made it work very seamlessly. Yeah, and the show, you know, is having some fun playing Ryan not having been in Port Charles society for this long between, you know, there's like just the fun stuff of like saying something about a pager when, of course, (laughs) today would be a cell phone. Um, I did ask, by the way, John Lindstrom, how um, who plays Ryan and Kevin, how Ryan uh, would know Kevin's iPhone password. And he said, I asked that too. Good one. Um, But... uh, they're also playing with Ryan uh, with Ryan not knowing who in town is still alive. And he made the slip up about Steve Hardy, who, of <laughs> course, has passed away, uh, passed away back in 1996 and gave Laura a little bit of pause. But, you know, it hasn't been heavy handed, but I think that's been a way to add a little bit of fun into a storyline that is inherently really kind of heavy. Absolutely. And I think it's a gift somewhat to viewers who have watched for a long time when you bring up old characters or storylines or incorporate the past in that way. You know, we saw the return of Rex Brady on Days, and it's being played by Kyle Lauder, who previously played Brady. So, you know, you kind of did need some recap in that story. And he and Roman, who is his father, had what turned out to be, you know, a pretty, like, funny discussion Mm -hmm. um, about (laughs) what all happened back when we first saw um, Rex, who came to town with Cassie, uh, in a meteor shower, and they thought they were aliens. And so they really recapped that, like, oh, remember when everyone thought I was an alien? You know, kind of conversation. But it worked. And I was very happy to see that they did not leave out mention of Cassie, mm-hmm. who we have not seen since Alexis Thorpe left the canvas um, after the whole, you know, Salem Stalker story right. resolved itself. And so at least we know that they're in touch. Obviously, they're twins, but that they're still talking. And, you know, those are really important beats to hit because you have to assume many of the viewers did watch when Eric Winter played the role. And you do want to see, you know, what's happened since then. A hundred percent. You know, I think we've all watched... Daytime shows at times, if we're longtime fans uh, ourselves, where we felt like maybe we know the show or the history of the characters better than the writers seem to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I always feel like I'm in good hands when there are these types of flourishes in the script that assure me that someone responsible uh, for the script either, you know, knows the players in the history as well as I do, or at least have really been doing their homework. Oh, totally. I mean, it is so disappointing when you see missed opportunities or places that they could have used something from a past storyline to Mm -hmm. enrich a current moment. So I love that these writers of these shows seem to really feel it's important to bring in the past. Um, You know, I feel Bold and Beautiful has managed to keep Stephanie's memory alive with that portrait I mean, who would have ever thought that it would become like its own character on the show? 
and that her presence would loom so large. Today, we are talking to one of B&B's original cast members, John McCook, who has played Eric Forrester for all of the 31 years the show has been on the air. Let's get him on the phone. Hi, John. Hi, you guys. We are so happy you could join us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Mara and I were just talking about how Stephanie's portrait has become such a character on the show over the years. <laughs> I know she has. I mean, of course she would be. You know, you can't you can't have Susan Flannery retire from the building and have her disappear altogether, God knows. And so uh, I think it's been really fun to have this uh, this portrait such a bone of contention, you know, uh, especially with these my three girls now, Allie, with with Allie and and Rena fighting over her and Jennifer Garage to joining in two now. So it's really fun. It's really fun for me. Could you ever have imagined when the portrait was up there all those years that it's going to become a really <laughs> big deal at some point? <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, the first time I don't remember the first time it kind of fell or or went. I think it was the first time I kissed Quinn, uh, or. Or it wasn't Jennifer. No, it was Quinn. I think the first time I kissed Quinn, but that was way back before Quinn and I were as involved as we became later. Mm-hmm. But then it, uh, the picture just kept uh, commenting on on everything that's going on, and uh, and then taking it down was a, a a big wonderful thing for me as an actor, uh, as a character, to to finally take that down and put put this put Quinn up there where she belongs and. Uh, and of course, this rankles uh, uh, Pam more than anybody else. So it's really fun. I mean, we were also kind of talking uh, before we we started taping about where where's your portrait, John? Why doesn't Eric have some sort of amazing looming portrait going on in the mansion? I know. I should have a. I know. What the heck? I guess mine's probably at the at the uh, at Forrester somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea. CEO but, but emeritus. I, there's pictures of this everywhere. You know, it's so funny to see all these prop provided photos of uh, all us family members and actors who aren't even here anymore, and me without a beard, and 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 people from 25 years ago. It's just amazing to see our photos. And I, I actually do double takes and I go, "Who is that?" You know, <laughs> and then which which Felicia is this? You know, it, it's really funny. <laughs> Well, in that way, I mean, you are an original cast member, only one of two. What does it mean to you that you and Kelly are both still there? Well, you know, Kelly, uh, I just, I just got a, a an email. It's it's a very private thing, but I, but I'll tell you, I, I got an e- Kelly and I got an email from one of our writers uh, yesterday for no apparent reason, uh, no special reason except to compliment us and to talk to us about how uh, how uh, blessed he felt to, to be working with uh, people who, uh, you know, bring energy to the show every day after all these years. And, and he said that uh, Charita Bauer was the first person he ever worked with that after decades and decades still brought the same energy and fun to the, to the work um, that they did, you know, in the first five years. And, and that's true of Kelly. And, and it's, I, it's true of me to a certain extent because, because the people we work with, you know, have the blessing is not just that you have a job that lasts 31 years. Um, the blessing is that 
you get to work with people who have great energy and who are talented and they're funny and 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 you develop great affection for each other. I think this is true on all the shows. I mean, I, I can't say it's only us, but it, that's only my experiences in our show. It's such uh, a warm, fuzzy place to be, even when it's hard, even when the work is really, really demanding. It's a very supportive and uh, nurturing place to stand and be an actor as difficult as it is. You know, I mean, I've had I've had actors come on the show who've done a lot of work in other places in our business and feature films and on primetime television and so on. And they I had one actor walk out and say, this is actually a very hostile environment for an actor. And he said that in a very positive, you know, in a not in a negative way, but just that this is the antithesis of, of what being an actor means anywhere else, anywhere else you rehearse, especially a Broadway show, you rehearse for weeks and weeks and you bring the material alive and you dig into the material to find out what's, what's good about it and, and how to realize it. And, and feature films, you work with a director uh, for hours before you shoot a scene to, to really accomplish things. And here we just shoot it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and our rehearsal is the time that the actors spend together in dressing rooms and, and in makeup, running the lines and just trying to find moments and trying to find what's real about it. And so we become so dependent on each other over the years and, and we know we can depend on each other and it makes it really fun. I mean, like, Tuesday of this week, a couple of days ago, we shot uh, uh, an episode that's our Thanksgiving. It's the Foresters Thanksgiving. And, you know, there's a huge long table and everybody's sitting there with uh, beautiful flowers and a <laughs> beautifully decorated table, of course. And and, and I sat there and, and, and I look at these people and they're all people for whom I have great affection. You know, there's nobody at the, around that table that I uh, don't really enjoy. And that's pretty, that's pretty cool. 17 or 18 people around that table that I really enjoy working with. Absolutely. And I mean, just going back to even hearing from a writer that isn't, that doesn't happen all the time. No, it doesn't. It doesn't happen often. And our, our writers actually give us credit for bringing this stuff alive and for improving it less, dare I say, improving it, uh, making it more alive than, than what they have, than the broad strokes that they've put out there. You know, uh, we, our strokes have to be very specific and, and, uh, and we have to find things that sometimes aren't even there. And, and we do because that's our process. It's so cool. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so lucky and it's not about, you know, being an actor on a show for a long time. That's down the list of the things that I really appreciate about being here. Um, it's, it's mostly the people. It's really the people. I mean, look at Torsten Kay and Rena. So for me, that's, I mean, look at these people I get to work with, you know, I just, this morning we did, we did like five scenes in, in 20 minutes because we were on it and we rehearsed it and we know what we're doing. And then, and then we, we expanded a little and there it is. And it's, it's, it's good, you know, and, uh, I'm proud of that. I'm really proud of that. Well, that's amazing. And, you know, I think to your point, they really managed to interact Eric with so many different characters on the canvas. Like, cause you, obviously you work a lot with Rena, but now Allie and Jennifer are being folded into your story where Heather yeah. was maybe more at the beginning of the year. 
Uh-huh. It must be fun for uh, you. For such a small yeah, cast, you really fun. get to work it's with great. everybody. Yeah, it's great. It's great fun for me. I, I wish that I worked even more with 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 the younger characters, with with uh, uh, you know, with Steffi and and with Wyatt and Liam. You know, I I wish I was able to get my hands on on them even more as a, I don't know as a mentor or as a grandpa or as a an older member of the family and to be involved. But but I see you know someone I'll see Steffi and and uh, and Ridge having a mother uh, a, a father daughter moment and I, I I crave that you know I I don't get to do that as much as I did in the years before with 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 Felicia and 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 uh, and Kristen you know I couldn't remember Kristen's name for God's sake you know <laughs> uh, uh, but I mean I, I I've I've aged out of that father thing so much that it's very it's very wonderful for me to have. Jennifer come back and and to stir that pot with those three ladies that's going to be fun really fun. I don't Have you seen our episode today yet with the uh, Yes, with the with the portrait. With the foot. With the foot through the portrait. Yeah. That is okay, a good. big yeah. moment. That's fun, isn't it? I yeah, mean, it's, it's so fun. much fun. That's why we were talking about the portrait of just that's like the ultimate symbol of, you know, a problem at the Forrester mansion <laughs> is that portrait and now it's been destroyed. That's right. I mean, you know, the first 25 years I, I really look at it as before Susan and after Susan, uh, before Stephanie and after Stephanie. But uh, Stephanie, that character and that um, malaise that work, uh, you know, we in the in the first script that we did, we said the word malaise four times. <laughs> and we kept using the word malaise for the first year, referring to the Forester marriage. Uh, and and uh, that that angst. And that that confrontational energy with a small C and sometimes with a capital C uh, just drove everything that I got to do with Susan. And so I really celebrate those 25 years I had with her because she was such a she's such she is such a powerful actress. And and she works. uh, She's she was always say, where's the conflict? There's no conflict in this scene. You know, and I would say, well, it's not. We're, you know, we're buttering toast and looking out the window. <laughs> and and she said, yeah, but without conflict, you know, a soap opera scene is just dull as dirt, you know. And she's right. And that's what we do here. We have to have underlying conflict in everything, even in love scenes. There has to be a a, a dark possibility for everything. And and her her uh, skill and her her. Um, uh, what shall I say? She had a great deal of gravitas relative to being on a daytime show. And uh, I learned a lot from her, I have to say. So, you know, the show and and you personally weathered the loss of Susan Flannery from the cast and Ron Moss from the cast within a pretty uh, concentrated period of time. And obviously the show survived and continues to thrive after them. But what was the experience like for you? To go from being this core four original cast member click to, to just you and Kelly, to lose Susan and Ron so close together. Well, you know, they, they both decided to leave in the same 10 minutes, you know, and we went, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> let's 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 spread this out a little. And then, of course, Susan uh, extended her days by five or six weeks to tell the, the cancer storyline that she was uh, generous, really, uh, in giving the show uh, a way to give her a good exit. You know, I mean, it was. It was self-serving, of course, but but it served the show really well too. So she gave that to us. But I think I was horrified 
uh, so was Kelly, that the two of them were leaving. And, you know, we thought, oh, we're just hung out to dry. Oh, my God, the show's going to die, you know. And what we forget, you know, we forget as actors that that actors are actors. And the next day somebody comes in and says, hi, I'm the new Ridge or, or <laughs> you know, and, and you go, oh, OK, that's cool. You know, and you call you call him your son. You you uh, you talk to him about when he was married to Taylor. You talk to him about Brooke um, and you immediately uh, impose on this actor the 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 character. And and that's just the way it is. And we learn as actors to uh, to turn the page and and go on. And, and unless unless the new actor is terribly miscast or not a nice person or not very talented or something, uh, it usually works pretty well. These recasts on soaps are always big news and, and a, a frightening um, possibility, but it usually works out pretty well. Unless the the actor or the actress just don't have uh, well what they need to make it theirs, mm-hmm. and that I have to give to I give it to Torsten um, uh, to I give him the credit of coming in here and not trying to be um, anything but himself and and in playing the part uh, in no other way than how he wants to play it. And uh, it was not a conflict at all. It was refreshing and it stirred the pot once again and and it really got me going. And so it was a it was a really good thing. I was glad they waited six or eight months. I think they did before they brought him in. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. Uh, that helped. But um, and of course, we didn't recast Stephanie, but but uh, but recasting that character was it, it loomed large uh, for me. And it ended up being so wonderful because, oh, I know, you know so many people knew Torsten, you know, um, Jacob Young knew Torsten from New York and, and Rena knew him and uh, other people knew this this guy that was going to come play Ridge. And they were saying to me, you're going to like him. He's like you. He's funny and he's fun and and he respects everybody on the set and and he's, he cares about the work. And and all of that was true of him. And uh and he's a family man. He's he's like me, only he's like, you know, a little bit younger, maybe three years. John, my burning question for you about Torsten is, do you do a Torsten K impression? Because we've on the podcast heard a, from Don Diamant and Jackie Wood so far, their, their Torsten impression. They do him? They do him? Yeah. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I would not, I wouldn't attempt to do him that, that, that foggy voice of his and you know i what's amazing to me is that he's done shakespeare and i go what for three people in the den you know <laughs> who who could hear him you know <laughs> and so uh I, I give him shit about that but uh he brings he, he brings so much to my dressing room and to uh to his dressing room and he brings so much onto the stage i'm so proud to have him here and uh and and so it's it's been very refreshing for me to turn that page from the first 25 years to uh, now, uh, whatever it is, 31 and a half, you know. But who's counting, right? Who's counting? <laughs> well, when you speak of new cast members, whenever we interview them and we ask who was the most welcoming to the set, your name comes up every single time. So you're not only the most welcoming, you apparently have the best dressing room. Hmm. I do, and that's, beautiful. 
And that's rightly so. And, uh, you know, of course I do. Um, uh, if anybody else had a better dressing room, I, I wouldn't be here. I would be up in Carpinteria with Susan Flannery, you know. Um, I do have the best dressing room, and and, and it's big enough to, to rehearse uh, six or eight people in a scene. We can, we can sit in here and rehearse a gang scene, and we can have an adult beverage in here from time to time at the end of the day. Lovely. And uh, we actually had a wonderful, uh, after the Thanksgiving episode, there were so many people here. Uh, you know, so many actors here for that day. And, and uh, I don't know, there were 10 or 12 of us in here at the end of the day having a glass of wine and really enjoying each other because we got done early and we could uh, sort of uh, have a green room celebration. Uh, uh, nothing formal, I don't mean that, but it just time together, you know. And look, the, the young actors come in here. This is a daunting uh, a situation to walk into for an actor with, 40 years of experience, let alone someone who's never done theater or doesn't know much about cameras either. I mean, we have that too. And, and they, they wander around and they go, where the hell am I supposed to be? And, you know, oh my God. And, and I am sympathetic to that. I really am. I think, uh, I, I've done enough episodic TV in the eighties, walking onto a set that I'm not familiar with and, and, and walking into a bunch of actors I don't know to know that 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 can the first you know half hour that you're in a new situation is really important and you can you can actually smell how fun it's going to be or not by the uh by the air on a sound stage uh or, or just by the the energy um that's there good or bad and sometimes it's not good you know and so i think it's it's uh it's not part of my job description or anything, but, but I, I think it's really important to welcome new actors onto our set. I mean, Wayne Brady's going to start here. He's going to be in my room tomorrow. Now he's not an inexperienced man by any, <laughs> by any means. And I, I, I celebrate that he's from the theater and we got a guy from musical theater that's coming in here. That makes me laugh. And I love that. Uh, he's going to be coming in and, and he'll have, I'm, He'll have questions about the politics around here. And I don't mean that as a divisive thing. I just mean, what do you do when you want this? Or who do you talk to about that? Or, or is it appropriate for me to call so-and-so about this? Those are questions that we need to know about every workplace. Um, and uh, and I think uh, somebody like me is, you know, about that stuff. Now, John, speaking of being on different sets in the 1980s, we recently worked on a section about primetime soaps of yore, and I stumbled upon a photo of you in bed with Heather Locklear on Dynasty. What was well, that I set was. like? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, uh, I think, typical of a lot of sex that I have. It was about 20 minutes, 20 minutes long and nothing happened. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, 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 always, I was, yeah, I was a businessman and she was like rolling in the hay with guys she didn't know out there for a while. I guess that's what the story was. I never watched that show. And so I had a quick, uh, scene with her and hello. And, and we had some lines and I got up and left her. She did. And that was the end of my day on that show. I didn't get to know her, uh, at all. And that's, that's the difference between working on a show with somebody for a long time, whether it's a soap or an episodic show, um, you, you get to know people very, very well. And then you work with dozens of other people you never do get to know at all because it just is a few days, you know, so. Uh, but I'm, I'm very glad you knew I did that show. I had uh, longer relationships with other people on other shows. 
than I did with Heather Locklear, that's for sure. Well, what other uh, episodic work stands out to you? I feel like I found a heart-to-heart photo of you. Oh, yeah. I did a heart-to-heart that, that a lot of us soap people did because it was about a soap opera, a murder that happened on a soap opera. That was fun. I really enjoyed uh, R.J. Wagner. It was funny and very welcoming. Uh, Stephanie Powers, very, uh, very, very serious about her work. Very bright woman. Very good actor. But not a lot of fun. But uh, I mean, she didn't need to be. It's not her job. But that was cool. Uh, what else? Oh, I did murder. She wrote. I did like two love boats and three fantasy islands and, and uh, all the biggies. Like, yeah, all the biggies. Look, I look. I look back on the eighties as as that was a time in Hollywood when you could make a living being a freelance actor, being a guest on on different shows. You didn't have to have your own show to make a good living. Um, so I was doing uh, all the comedy shows too. I did Three's Company and Too Close for Comfort and and Family Ties and all those shows. I was in an Alice for God's sake, you know. And I did all those shows in those years. And 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 then I was doing theater at the same time, going out and doing Summerstock and then coming back. And um, that was cool. And I never did a movie. I've never. I mean, I never really was in a film, a feature film. Not really. I mean. Uh, couple of parts when I was at, at, at Warner's or one line in a movie here and there, but, but, uh, but, but it's all been television for me. And so when I start, when I got this job here in this building over at Young and Restless, I went, what a soap opera. What are you, are you kidding? You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was replacing an actor that had worked one day already, which nobody ever talks about, but, um, they, I needed to sing on the guy that played Lance Prentice, whatever this guy was, had to sing on the first day. He had to hold Leslie in his arms and and sing, um, uh, it's all right with me, you know. And I'm going, what? You know, <laughs> uh, this is crazy. So I went in, it was live on tape, you know, we did it. And uh, But going back the week before that, I got hired to do this. And I went, oh, now I'm going to go into Television City and I'm going to work with a bunch of soap opera people. Nobody's going to be any fun. It's going to, you know, because I was from the theater and, and musical comedy in Las Vegas and all that stuff, you know, and I, I came up the first day up to the rehearsal halls and I walked down the hall and and in each room, as I looked through the little window in each door, there was a piano and, and, and six dancers and six singers and they're dancing and singing and carrying on. And, and I'm going, what? And I go to the next door. It's the same thing. So there was the Carol Burnett show rehearsing there and then Sonny and Cher down the hall. And then wow. Tony Orlando and Don were down there, uh, down in the next hall. And then I come to the next door and it's the soap opera. And I went, what the hell, you know? And I went back, I opened the, one of the doors to uh, the Carol Burnett show. And, and I knew half the dancers. I knew them. And they said, what are you doing here? <laughs> are you doing our show? I said, I'm doing your show. I'm doing a soap opera. They said, stop it. Are you kidding? You know? And so I realized I was in a, in a, in a building that was just, full of good energy and show business stuff going on. And, uh, it made it, uh, a lot more fun. Then I closed the door on this and I went into the soap opera and it was indeed very serious. <laughs> it was a lot more serious than I thought the other shows were, but, and it needed to be because, uh, that, that was no screwing around. That was getting the show live on tape every day. And, uh, I learned a great deal there, boy, in the first like couple of years on that show. Well, what stands out to you about playing Lance and being on YNR in the early years? Oh, what stands out to me about playing Lance is uh, 
Jamie Lynn Bauer. Uh, she was great. I never knew what she was going to do. She never knew what she was going to do, if you ask me. But that was a long time ago. Uh, I'm not commenting on her at all. I think she's a wonderful actor. And those years, she was very, uh, uh, she was wonderful to watch. And so for an actor to be with somebody uh, who brings that kind of um, energy and excitement to every performance was really fun for me. I loved working with Vicki Mallory all those years and the music we did on the pianos and uh, the singing with her. And, and before that, Janice Lynn, too, you know. I remember uh, John Conboy. He loved it. He loved producing that show. Rest his soul. Rest, rest in peace. And and, uh, and Bill Glenn, the six foot, I don't know, he was six foot five, big, tall, beautiful man um, that directed our show. And and he had come. He was from Can He was Canadian. He was our director, but he had become a director when he was a dancer in the Canadian ballet company. Uh, when he was a boy, but he was too tall to be on stage with anybody else uh, except to play, you know, Big Bird or something because he just would pull focus. <laughs> and one day they had New York television group was up there to shoot something of them. And the director didn't know anything of the, about the ballet that they were doing or the music. And they, they sent Bill into the, into the, con, into the uh, control booth with him. And he, he began to tell the director what to shoot and where to do it and where to put the camera. And he became a director. And so he was very much from musical, from a musical background. And, and, uh, I loved working with him too. So, uh, those, those the almost five years that I was on that show. And then I left when it went to an hour, uh, I wasn't obligated by contract to stay. And I was like a lot of young actors. I went, well, here's my opportunity to, uh, to get out there and, and, and compete for other shows and do, do other work. And so I left when it went to an hour, I think, uh, I think as I walked out the door, I think Eric Braden walked in, you know, it's like, that's, they made big changes in the show at that time when it went to an hour, uh, they got rid of one family and invented a new one and, and they kept on going, you know? So half hour shows are really your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're very lucky. I'm so happy that, that our show is still a half hour. Um, it, it keeps us, it keeps us honest. I have to say, uh, we, we, because it's half an hour, we do two shows every day and we work only four days a week and, and only three weeks a month. And everybody goes, what? You know, we have like 22 weeks a year that we're not working because when we're here, we don't sit around and wait. When we're here, we, uh, we work and uh, we work hard and concentrate on it and we get the show done. So uh, we're lucky. And across the hall, they don't, they don't have nearly as much time off to relax and enjoy their families and, you know, go to the dentist and other things <laughs> that we do. Uh, Peter Bergman's always given me a bad time about it, and, you know, and he's right. I have a, an easier job than he does. <laughs> now, before we get off the topic of Young and the Restless, you know, Bill Bell, via your character and, and uh, other storylines on the show at the time, was really like sexing up daytime, I think, uh, in its early years. And we have some very steamy sh uh, pictures of you, John, wearing a very skimpy bathing suit on that show. Do you remember having to wear a little Speedo uh, on the air? Well, yeah, and that's never been my strong point, you know. Uh, <laughs> 
And in fact, you know, it's funny when I look at this now, if you're a young guy or girl on a soap opera today, you need to be someone who's in the gym, you know, five days a week. You need to be toned. You need to be defined. Your body needs to be in stunning shape. You know, it was never true of me. I was always like skinny, but I was never, I never worked out or I was never a jock or anything like that. So, uh, when, when it was required of me, uh, I think they saw it and they went, okay, we don't need to put him in his van bathing suit anymore. <laughs> we have, we have other people for that, you know? Uh, and thank God that's still true now of me. But, uh, uh, I'm always amazed to to see how how the young actors and actresses on our shows how they maintain they really take care of themselves and I think that they they feel it's a it's a point of competition that they really have to be uh, really cool you know to be on these shows they have to be really good mm-hmm. that way. Um, and what about the beard? Are you keeping it? Is it part of you now? Well, I guess so. You know, I, when did I do it? Uh, you know, I haven't had a lot of pros or cons, and I wouldn't listen to it anyway. My choice was to uh, – I had been off the show for three or four weeks. When was it? I, Eric was depressed about something, you know, and that's how we show an actor is depressed. He used to not shave. Of course, now nobody shaves anymore, you know, whether you're happy or not. But anyway, I came in and I said to Ed, Scott, I said, Ed, I'm not going to shave it. And he said, fine, great. And I just kept going. And, it, and the gray is good. It speaks to who it, – it's another good definition of who Eric is. He's he's the grandfather. He's the patriarch. It, it just says who I am, So uh, who I play on the show. So I'm glad to keep it. And now it's been years. And I'm afraid if I shave it off, I'm, it'll scare the shit out of me. You know? <laughs> well, it looks great. Um, now, before we let you go, tell us about your daughter, Molly, on Last Man Standing and how you just what that means to you as a proud dad, I'm sure. Well, you know, that's we've had such an exciting the last like four months for Molly and, and us have been so exciting. She's not only doing that, she's doing Last Man Standing, and, you know, taking over that character and and uh, learning to work on a, a learning. I mean, she she's. She doesn't have to learn anything. I'm, I'm astounded at how much she knows and, and uh, how how much she knows that I didn't teach her. You know, you go, where did you learn that? You know, mm-hmm. um, it's like having a young athlete uh, playing high school football or baseball or anything. You you see your your. Well, I've talked to, I've been talking to Don Diamond about that, and he has his athletic sons, and and he'll watch his son out there playing football for one of the colleges and he'll go, where did he learn how to do that? My God, you know, I didn't teach him that. And it's innate, innate, uh, skill and talent that comes out of a, out of one of your kids, uh, that surprises you. And I've had that happen with Molly. Lorette and I have been surprised by her many times along the way since she's like 10 years old. Anyway, she's doing this show now. She got it. Uh, there was a lot of competition to, to play that part. And, uh, they chose a girl who was incredibly different from the one who was doing it before. And I think they were right to do that. She's physically very different and, and she's playing the part differently. And, uh, <clears throat> she's been on, she's been online, you know, reading, reading stuff online. And I keep yanking that out of her hand. I keep, don't look at that stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. there's hard, hardline fans of the show that hate her on it. And then there's other people who say, wow, this is so cool. You're doing a great job. And I said, don't read any of it, the good stuff or the bad, you know? So we're very happy and very proud. She's done, I think, 
six or seven of them. She's going to do all 22. She's the regular on the show. And, uh, and then in January, she also did how many, six or seven episodes of this new show called good trouble. Do you know what that is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. She did, she did a, uh, uh, a really wonderful arc on that show. And that starts, I think, in January on the air. So in January, she's going to be on two primetime shows at the same time. It's pretty cool. So cool. Yeah. It's great. Well, congratulations. I'm sure you're very yeah. proud. Yeah. And she's engaged to get married next year in September. And uh, that's going to be fun, too. Absolutely. A lot of good times in the McCook family. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. This is great. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today, John. We love talking to you and hearing all of your stories and memories. Yeah, uh, thank you. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing Eric's portrait someday. Mm-hmm. Okay, come on. Come, come on, on Eric will be around. That's come right. on to LA. Come see us again. Come on. We'll do. Okay. Okay. Talk soon. Bye, John. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to John McCook for being our guest. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.